previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. He had this thing called the Garbaphone. It's set up like the piano keys, and each note was a different piece of recycled garbage, quote unquote. And it was one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen. Now, most of them were like empty jars and tin cans and things like that, but you could literally hear the pitch, and he would play songs off of it, and it was so cool. So that's how I describe what I do, too, is, is garbage. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast, and I'm here with Roxy as usual. Hi, everyone. And we are flying solo today. We've done this before. We, we can handle this, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, Littles, we've had so much response, I guess is the right word I'm, I'm going to use, to our new contest and just emails and tweets and everything that we almost didn't want to waste someone else's time by like having them come in just to sit here and listen to us read tweets. And But let's get right into it. First things first, we have to, this is becoming a thing and I almost want to make a segment about it, but we have an apology into a shout out. <laughs> I feel like we do this every third episode or so where I meant to do something on a previous podcast and I completely forgot. And then after we've posted the podcast and everyone's enjoying it, I re-listened to it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. I forgot to do this. So we wanted to start the show off with a big shout out to our good friend, loyal little Jared's chauffeur, who actually, he's actually now almost out of Texas. Uh, we've been trying to give him a shout out every time he crosses into a new state, because to me, that's just mind blowing. And it's such a good thing that he's doing and trying to raise money. So we just wanted to say, Jared, welcome to Texas. And I know you're almost leaving Texas. We're hopefully going to have a an update from Jared soon on one of the upcoming episodes. But I just wanted to give you a reminder. He's at Jared2112 on Twitter and Instagram and Venmo, which is the important one because he is uh, raising money for cancer research. Give him a follow on Instagram. It's been really cool. I mean, he has some great stories. He posts some mini videos. He does everything. This last batch he posted, my favorite thing was he went into Mobitai and it's population 101. Whoa. So how about that? <laughs> he also posted a sign that says, beware of rattlesnakes. So that's where I'm done. That's the list. I'm nope. 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 I'm with you, Roxy. <laughs> nope. I'm not going anywhere near there. So anyway, good luck, Jared. Keep going. We're, we're following you, and we wish you all the best. Please go to his Venmo, and it's at Jared2112 if you'd like to donate to Cancer Research, which is what he's doing this whole thing for, which is such a great cause. And just wanted to make sure we didn't forget this time and gave him his shout-out he well deserves. So as I stated, Roxy, we have a ton to get into. So let's dive right in. We, we have a really cool thing for us at, here at the Loyal Littles Podcast. As you know, the one thing we did say we are definitely emulating from the big show is the playing of independent artists' music coming into segments. We usually do one artist an episode. And uh, we got a message from, uh, oh, I hope I don't butcher his last name, uh, Nicholas Apostolaris. Uh, and he was someone we played his music, I want to say like probably about 10 episodes ago by now. And hopefully y'all checked it out. But he tweeted at us and he said, you guys were the first to play my track. But in the last week, it's been on the UK internet radio station and now a US over the air station. Whoa. Right? That's cool. He said, we're just ahead of things. So he said, thanks. I hope it's okay to be a fan of the Loyal Littles podcast while also being ignorant of basically all matters Kornheiser. Uh. So, <laughs> of course it is. And uh, congratulations. That's really exciting. That's I mean, really awesome. We premiered it. I mean, maybe someone nationally heard it and they were like, oh, we have to play this on the radio station. I mean, I highly doubt that. But, you know, we can think that, right, Roxy? Absolutely. So, And then we had our own connective tissue. This was kind of cool. Lee Gordon sent this in and he says, the connective tissue of this show, not the TK show, the Loyal Littles podcast. My friend Roy, not a little, is good pals with Vince Giordano and has produced at least one of his records. Oh. I mean, how cool is that? Now, we referenced that last time because Roxy dances in a group called The Honey Taps here in New York. Yep. And, and we perform with Vince Giordano and the Nighthawks. Yeah, that is so cool. Right? How cool is small that? Small world. Small, small world. All right, Roxy, now we have some emails to get into. This one, kind of funny, from James Cunningham. He actually apologized later for it because he was like, I'm so sorry I was triggered. But that's okay. We're gonna he did say it's okay if we read it. My favorite part, of course, is it says Chuck and Rocky. 
<laughs> That's not my name. <laughs> so, well, you are now Rocky. You're going to be Rocky for the rest of this episode. Oh, gosh. Uh, the following is why I think Sully from Boston wants to watch college football with me, which I still don't get. During the Luke over B interview, I love that I know how to say that name because for years I've been saying it wrong. Chuck said something that couldn't go unresponded to. It was casual, but triggered an anger deep within me. When discussing Luke's favorite teams, Luke said he casually pulls for Clemson. Unacceptable, by the way. Because when you move to South Carolina, you have to pick one. Chuck then said it's like in North Carolina where you have to pick between UNC and Duke and Wake Forest. First off, while the premise of your statement is true... The schools which a person moving to North Carolina has to choose is completely wrong. I had to make a choice when I moved from Ohio to North Carolina, but you do not have to choose between UNC and Duke. It's UNC and NC State. Now, I know people will think I'm lying because I am an NC State fan and season ticket holder, and I now owe them money, but that's not it entirely. Duke has such a small alumni base that it doesn't resonate locally. Also, very few students who attend Duke are local, and when they graduate, they do not stay here in North Carolina. The biggest Duke alumni base that I heard is actually in New York City, right here, Roxy. Whoa. New Yorkers send their kids to Duke, and then those students return to New York. I have lived in North Carolina for 10 years and have met a total of four Duke fans and only one alumnus. The same with Wake Forest. I have met more East Carolina fans than Duke and Wake Forest fans. For the record, I can't stand either of the Blues. And of course, go to hell, Carolina. <laughs> so thank you. And that's what really grinds James Gears. So thank you, James Cunningham, for that email. And Roxy, I believe we had a wine update, if I'm not mistaken. We did from Ed Butt. And it is actually addressed to me, Roxy. <laughs> You're still Rocky for this episode. <laughs> I love it. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, so he says, Roxy, an important development in the history of wine glasses is all because of a small New York City apartment. Rydell has been a family-owned glassware business for 11 generations. They started into specialty wine glasses in the 1930s. About 20 years ago, the son of the then CEO was sent to the U.S. to boost marketing here. He rented a typical small apartment in Manhattan. His elegant Rydell stemware wouldn't fit on the shelves, so dad had the factory make stemless wine glasses for him. Needless to say, they caught on. Information for life. P.S. I am reluctant to disagree with Dave Spector on wine stuff, but the shape of the glass makes a huge difference to the taste. At the Rydell wine glass tasting where I heard the above, we tasted four different wines, each in four different shaped glasses. As often as not, I preferred the wine in the wrong glass, but there was a huge difference. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not talking solo cup here. We're talking... No, we're talking actual glasses. Like I made the big mistake apparently when I poured you a glass of red in a white wine glass yep. and you kind of like, well, you were a wine snob. That's all there is to it. You were a complete <laughs> snob and you looked at me like... I don't even know well, what. because it's the one thing about wine that I do know. Okay, but you looked at me like I poured it in a solo cup. And I was like, what? It's a, it's a wine glass? Just because I didn't know what was what. Now, wait, I have a question, though. Sure. Is there a special glass for rosé? Because I usually drink the rosé out of my white wine glasses. Should I be drinking it out of my red wine glasses instead? Or is there a is there a different type of glass I should be looking for? Okay, you're looking at me right now like I'm going to have that answer. And obviously, that's not going to be the case. So, Bobby... Bobby, or, or obviously no, Mr. Spector. Right, right. Yep. I would think he would know. Well, I just like to, you know, because Bobby's our... Supposed stat boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, so get back to us, wtfcpodnet at gmail.com if you have those answers. And real quick, we just wanted to also acknowledge the great thank you for those of you sending in your lookalikes. They are coming they, in. This has been so fun. It has been a lot of fun. And we will start posting some of them. And we don't want to give any, like, you know, we're trying to be partial. We're going to bring the other gang in on the judging who wins the contest and all that stuff. I have a question for Todd Takei because he sent one in and he said it's, um, I can never pronounce that guy's name right. Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. I can never pronounce his name right. And he does kind of look like 
a younger version of Todd Decay. Now he's in a, a a uniform, like a police uniform. Is it a security guard? Are you a police officer? I mean, we we haven't got to meet Todd Decay yet. Todd Decay, tell us your story. I mean, I did. <laughs> I, I'm just throwing this out there. I did invite him a while back, and I mean, maybe someday. I believe the woman who we're not allowed to say kind of nudged him in the right direction to come on to meet the Littles. Hopefully that'll happen. All right, Roxy, we got to get out of here. We have such a fantastic guest for you today. Total surprise kind of interview, which we love. Yeah. We'll be right back with Meet the Littles. The Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Here's Chuck and Roxy. All right, everyone, sing along. Played in this episode by a band called Watershed, and this is called Body Song. Now, you can find them in all different places. I looked them up on iTunes, and oh, they have a lot of stuff on there, but they say the best way to get in touch with them is on the gram, as we call it. So that's Instagram, and they are at watershed underscore band. That is, again, at watershed underscore band. And as always, we'll play the full song, Body Song, at the end of the podcast. I've got a All right, all you loyal littles, it's now time to meet the littles. And we have a fantastic one for you today. Please welcome to the podcast, Michelle Pendleton. Hi, Michelle. How's it going? It's going well. Nice to talk to you, Chuck and Roxy. It's nice to uh, make it make the connection. Yeah, yeah, we are so excited about this one because I see you all over the place on Twitter and stuff like that. And we had no idea who you were. So I was like, we have to get her on the podcast. We're just uh, glad that you agreed to do this. And because sometimes people are like, well, I don't really have much to say. But I'm like, eh. our motto is every little has a story to tell. So why don't we start off there? Why don't you introduce yourself to all the other Littles? Tell us something about yourself and anything you'd like the Littles to know about you. All right. So I'm Michelle. And so I do this uh, Monday Twitter chat and I always try to introduce myself. So I'm a mom of a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old. And since this one is actually for also adults, I've been married to the man to whom I'm related by marriage for 27 years. And Mm. we've been in Houston We're not from Houston, but we ended up here twice, and we live on the far west side of Houston, and if I had to be an official something for the Tony Kornheiser show, I would probably have to be the official stay-at-home mom of the Tony Kornheiser show, and hopefully this is not what shuts down the Loyal Littles podcast. (laughs) Oh, no. no, That's that's... amazing, though. All right, so, so why would you say that? What do, you, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, it's funny because when you listen to people and they email in or, you know, you see what people do on their Twitter handles. I mean, there are so many PhDs and people who work for the government or lawyers or whatever. And it's not that, I mean, I, I feel like I fit in the, at least the smart category of smart and funny because I went to, went to Northwestern. I was gonna, we were going to get Wilbur's. there, yeah. went to the Will Bonds Medill School of Journalism. Oh, I was going to let you all know a couple of episodes ago. It's Medill. After Joseph Medill. Oh, okay. Little's information for life. Yep, go ahead. There there you go. (laughs) And um, bachelor's and a master's degree. And I taught high school for five years. And then my husband decided he wanted to get an MBA. And so I, you know, kind of quit to follow him. And so it's, it's not that I haven't done things, but once my kids came, I just stayed home. And yeah, yeah. well, that is me, not an easy I job. was going to say, <laughs> let me jump right in there because I have four sisters and no brothers. Yeah, I'm the youngest growing up. 
that was not easy. Love it now, but growing up, it was kind of hell, just to be honest. But one of them in particular, she has three, she brought up three boys, okay? And she was a stay-at-home mom. Trust me when I tell you this, Littles, it is a full-time job. There is no, I'm sorry, I've seen them go through it. It's amazing. And so I have the utmost respect for you and her and anybody, even even the dads who stay home, because mm-hmm. there are dads that mm-hmm. stay home. And it's not an easy job. Let's just put it that way. So yeah, and I've been, you know, like, like I say, I, did, I got to do a whole lot of things. I had my kids later in life, but I've been at home for almost 15 years because my son's going to be 15 in May. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. So, well, let's go back now. So where did you grow up exactly? So I grew up in Colorado, um, originally in a suburb of Denver, and then my parents built a house over on weekends over the period of two years. So it's, it's just a little bit south of the Denver area. But at the time, I'm not joking, there was one gas station and nothing else. And I moved there when I was 12 and then left after high school. We got a McDonald's. Like, oh wow. That was that was a big deal oh, when we sure. had the McDonald's. And now if you went there, I mean, you wouldn't even believe that it used to just be a huge field with literally like this little tiny gas station and small grocery store, which you would never go to because it was so expensive. Mm. So you kind of had to plan your trip there. So yeah, so that's where I grew up. And I I don't know if you were gonna ask if I ever went to camp. I went to camp exactly <laughs> once between my junior and senior year, and it was to Northwestern University. They have a five-week summer camp, and I went to their journalism camp, which is, it's called the Cherub Program, and they advertised that it will be the best summer of your life, and it absolutely was, and so that's how I applied to Northwestern. So Uh, I went there. So they hooked you. um, (laughs) Yeah, yes, well, they do, because you go to classes with all of their professors, and they bring in these Pulitzer Prize winning speakers and wow, that's like, a... this past summer and this coming summer, it would be virtual, but I mean, these kids get to meet Mike Wilbon. Well, that was going to be and my question. Does, does Wilbon do these things? He has. Now I taught in the program many years and he had not come any of those summers, but oh gosh, probably the last five, six years. That's kind of like one of the big featured things is Here's Mike Wilbon, and he sits there and he talks to the kids and takes pictures with them. And I mean, you can't go to a camp like that and not be completely floored. So yeah, of the there were ninety, either ninety-one or ninety-three of us, and about a third of us ended up at Northwestern. Not all of us at the School of Journalism. So there's six different schools that you apply to. And there's the College of Arts and Sciences, and then there's the School of Journalism and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Is this like a sleepaway camp or is this just a... You live there. Yeah. You so you're in the in dorms the and stuff? It's like the full the college experience. It, it, well, and that's the other thing is they structure it kind of like a college experience. So you have like a morning session and then you've got a couple of hours off and you've got an afternoon session and you've got time off and then you've got an evening session. And so it is kind of like where in college you only have maybe one or two classes a day. You get back to high school because it's between junior and senior year. And you, I got back to high school. I'm like, what is this going back to back to back classes? This is crazy. <laughs> you're like, I need my break. <laughs> I need my nap. So, yeah. And I mean, and you're, you're on this beautiful campus. Sure. Now, the funny thing now is I think all the dorms now have air conditioning. The summer I went was the summer of 1988, which was an incredibly hot summer, like hot drought. It was bad. And the dorm that I was in had no air conditioning. Oh, no. I've often wondered about that because, I mean, it was great when I went to college, the same thing. I mean, and I'm wondering if things have changed. I haven't been back to my school in forever, but yeah, I always wondered about that. The box fan in the window and that's it, (laughs) you know? Absolutely. No. And I mean, you know, these buildings were built in, I think, 1951. So yeah, central air was not a thing. (laughs) thing. Right. (laughs) Wow. So, but I think pretty much now, I I don't know of a student in 2020s that is going to uh, willingly go to a dorm that has no air conditioning. Really? I'd be curious if there even is such a thing anymore. Probably not. But that's Probably so, not. So they're, they're so... never they're never going to have that. I mean, I guess if for the money experience. you're paying for tuition and stuff, I guess yeah, that must be a thing now. But I'm sorry. I mean, I was the transfer generation too, where 
my senior year, they instilled, now it wasn't for the sophomores, juniors, and seniors, you didn't have to, it was offered to you, but all incoming freshmen got a laptop with the price of tuition. So it was part, oh, of, the, wow. it was part of the tuition package. And so of course I didn't because we didn't have extra money like that. And it was just interesting. And I, at least my school now, I don't even know if they still do. I'm assuming they do. But yeah, every incoming freshman had a laptop as part of the tuition package, which I thought was a great idea, especially, well, nowadays it's kind of like mandatory that you all have one. I'm sure that's how they take notes in classes and stuff, which just blows my mind. But now you were in high school when you went to this camp? Yeah. So it's geared toward juniors in high school. So between their junior and their senior year. And the program started in the, during the great depression. Oh, so wow. they, yeah. So the idea was they were trying to find a way to keep their professors employed. Sure. And so they started the program then mm-hmm. and it just built from there. It's, and it's built very similarly to the university. So now I haven't looked online to see if they still offer all the same programs, but sure. they have a theater program. They have a music program that an engineering program, the journalism program, um, speech and debate, and each program runs independently. So the funny thing about the year that I was there, and of course we had no idea, but Noah Wiley was a chair of the same year I was a chair of, but oh, wow. I wouldn't have known because he was in the theater department. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I mean, it doesn't surprise me for Northwestern, but, and I wonder if some of these other guys, like Mike Greenberg, those guys, and it, is Kevin Blackstone, I think a grad from there too. Kevin Blackstone yeah. is an alum. Yeah. Mike Greenberg was actually, he was one of the big column writers in, on the daily Northwestern. When I was, I think when I came in as a freshman, he might've been a senior that year. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would read a lot of his work. Uh, Jay Adonde. Oh, right. Jay. Was, that's another one. Yeah. So he was, he was a writer when I was there. Now um, we, uh, let me catch Roxy. Up. No, I actually know some of these. I names. was going to say that's Greeny. Yep. From, from yep. Mike and Mike. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's how she knows who Mike Greeny is. <laughs> so, yeah. And she watches around the horn from time to time. Yep. You know, cause it comes on right before PTI. Yep. Uh, so yeah, well, that's great that these guys contribute so much to get the journalism school continuing and stuff like that. Now, in the sports world, how, are you a sports fan of the Northwestern? So I'm just kind of this outlier in lots of places. So I never wrote for the Northwest, Daily Northwestern because I needed to have a work-study job. Oh. And my work-study job was in the athletic department. Oh. So Northwestern does not have, or at least at the time, they didn't have like a kinesiology department or mm. an athletic training degree or anything like that. And so it was a work-study job, and it was actually one of the best-paying work-study jobs. And I had been a student athletic trainer in high school. Oh, wow. So I applied, and I'm, like, I'm the only journalism student in the entire building. <laughs> that, it's just not true. There are some athletes that go to, go to Medill, but not a lot. Yeah. And so that was my work-study job, and I, I did lots and lots of football because they just need – you, when you have that many athletes in one sport, you need a lot of support. Sure. So most of my hours were in football in the fall and then for spring ball. I did a little bit of basketball. Once you got to your sophomore and junior years, they felt like you could do some things on your own. So they would send the student athletic trainers to do like tennis. So I did well, some tennis. I you, did some fencing. Could you pause that for a second? So what exactly do you do? I mean, what is your job description? Oh, for, so the student athletic trainers, they work in the athletic training department. On a normal day, I would come in during football season, lots of ankle taping. Yep. Ah. And then you would have athletes that needed different kinds of treatments. So I would el- electric stimulation. I did a lot of that. Probably the funniest thing that I did, we had some athletes who would need to have their hamstrings stretched. Mm-hmm. And I, you can imagine how big the leg of a football player is. And I'm 5'2". <laughs> like, I'm about the size of, of the leg. leg. Right. <laughs> this is so interesting. So, so did you have to be trained for this? Or did they, they train you? Or did you have a background in this? Because you, you obviously have to know what you're doing if you're taping up athletes' ankles and things like that. So, yeah, when I interviewed for the job, I had done this through, actually, I guess I only was a, was a manager in, in junior high. So I was a manager for the football team in junior high. And then the coach of the football team was like, hey, you know what you're doing. You're organized. Would you mind being a manager for the girls' basketball team? 
So I'm mm -hmm. like, sure, that's no problem. And then when I got to high school, that kind of moved into, they had student athletic trainers there because, you know, you have one person with, you know, to take care of every athlete. And so they just needed, like, they needed human bodies to right. help. Right. So, you know, it's, that's what I started doing. And it was toting water and, mm -hmm. and, you know, just all that kind of thing. You know, during, like I say, we, I would do a lot of taping ankles before practice. And then we would get, they called them cows because it's like a great big tank that has these hoses that come off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so you fill up the cow and you bring the cow out. So that way, when they're going to get water, they can, it's kind of like an electronic water fountain. Right, right. You know, right. You've got four hoses that are coming off. So we would bring those out and they would have us kind of assigned to different areas during a practice. And you kind of knew which practices were going to be long, just in the course of a week, some practices would be longer than others. So, you know, you'd stay out there and you're kind of watching out. Somebody gets hurt. You call the person who is actually the professional trainer. Right. And then, you know, you would just be there for, you know, because crazy things happen. Like somebody's shoelace breaks. Right. Or, sure, you sure. Know, See, that's what I could handle. Something like that. I, I could totally, are, I could totally do that. Uh, no, well, this is amazing. This sounds yeah. exactly, this is what, this is my job, but I'm on the, the athlete side most of the time. Well, being. I was going to say, you should see her face lighting up over here as you're talking <laughs> because she's actually going back to school for this. Now you just got your one degree in what? Uh, personal training? Certified personal trainer. Yep. So, and now I'm working on corrective exercise, that specialization and, but no, with my, my normal job being a dancer, we have athletic trainers with us and people that assist them. And we go in before our, the start of our rehearsal day or show day and they tape us up. They, we go into, there was a time I was going into a warm uh, whirlpool to get my legs ready to go. I had a, a small hamstring injury and that would just like help get me going, ride the bike for five minutes. And then at the end of the day, I would go back up there, take an ice bath. They would do plunging on people's legs to... What, what do you mean? They take a plunger to your leg. I've never done this. It looks very painful. Um, Michelle, do you know about this? Is, it, is this like is this like cupping, but with a really big cup? I think so. And they move it up and down your leg. Um, and I think it just, it helps with inflammation. I think it helps to reset the leg to a recovery position, I guess. I'm not really entirely I'm sure. Like, I have, this is way above my pay grade. So. That freaks me out a little <laughs> bit. So I haven't, I haven't done it yet, but I'm sure it works wonders for, for people and gets us ready for the next day of crazy shows and rehearsals yeah. and things like that. So that's so interesting. Like I'm, I'm seeing a lot of parallels here. Yeah. So uh, Michelle, yeah. are you still into this stuff? Do you still do these things? No, but because of everything that I learned, I mean, you just kind of apply this stuff just to regular life. Sure. So well, we you have, have two boys, you um, said? <laughs> no, I have a, I have a little oh, one girl. Of, one of each. Our, our youngest is a daughter. And gotcha. then I have a almost 15-year-old boy. Well, there you but, go. <laughs> but one of the things that, like, we would do these little sessions where we would learn about things. And one of them, it was, how do you recognize a your appendix? You know, what kind of simple test can you do to see if it might be an appendix? And my son was, I think he was nine and he came home and like went from, he had been all day at, you know, it was like a little day camp and came home and had a snack. I was like, Oh, I'm not feeling good. I'm going to go lie down. And the next thing I knew he was in bad shape. And oh, wow. I was like, okay, it's one of two things. He's either dehydrated mm -hmm. or it's his appendix. Wow. And I knew mm -hmm. yeah. So that kind of thing just, has stayed with me. Sure. The other thing, when you talk about, you know, how did I find the show? So my, it's kind of a, you know, roundabout story, but it started with a really bad car accident that I was in and I was stuck in the car and the paramedics came to the window and there was like, you know, ma'am, what, what would you, where would you like us to take you? And we are in the middle of Alabama. I don't know anyone Right. And I looked at the paramedic and I knew from one of these sessions, I was like, I'm not from here. If your mother or sister were hurt, where would you take them? And he said, well, ma'am, let's get you out of the car. And if it doesn't look too serious, we'll take you here. And right. if it looks really bad, we'll take you to the University of South Alabama. And they got me out of the car and looked at my ankle and said, we're going to the University of South Alabama. Oh, wow. So, and then it also turned out, this I learned about like, what is a level one trauma center? 
And it turned out in this case, the University of South Alabama was the only level one trauma center for like a 250 mile radius. Wow. And we were like 10 miles away from it. So, wow, lucky. but you know, if I hadn't had that experience, right. then I wouldn't have known how to talk to the paramedic. Mm-hmm. And another time my son, he was little, he was really little because he was still doing this called the little gym. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the few times like the parents could see what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Sure. And one of the kids jumped off of a balance beam and just landed funny. And like the instant he landed, we knew that his arm was broken. Oh gosh. And so we, you know, the, the instructor knew enough to, okay, let's get all the other kids kind of off to the side. But I knew that we needed to, first of all, get a paramedic in there. And mm-hmm. second, somebody needed to wave the paramedic and let them know where to go. Sure. So, you know, so it's like, you know, I just went out and said, listen, this is what's going on. Call the paramedic. I'll stand outside and wait for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked out fine. But I mean, this kid's arm was so badly broken. They had to do the air cast that right. they put around and then they, they take the air out. And so it keeps everything stable. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, that, you know, those are things that I learned on that job. And those instincts have carried you through. Right. Which is oh, really yeah. cool. Well, and it's honestly the whole reason I brought up the whole sports, are you a fan of the sports and all that stuff, was because I wanted to like prove that we do our homework here at the Loyal Littles podcast. <laughs> and I didn't know if you saw, because I'm a big softball fan, obviously, as most of the listeners know. I, I believe her name was Danielle Williams. Yes, just pitched a perfect game, a right? Perfect game. Right? That's incredible. Now, that was yes, just last week, did. right? Or something like that? Or. Yeah, it was last week. And then somehow she's like the co-Big Ten right. athlete of the week. I, are you kidding me? From no, Northwestern. Their softball is actually really, really good. Oh. My son, when he was, he had just been born, and it was during the softball going through to get to the World Series. Mm-hmm. And they tell you, sleep when the baby sleeps. Sleep right. when the baby right. sleeps. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't. Right. Northwestern's playing in the College World Series. <laughs> I keep watching them. I am so going to pay for this, but I can't not it's watch so it. worth yeah, it, right? Yeah, totally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the things we do for our fandom, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> Michelle, you could stick around, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay, all right. We're going to take a quick break because we got, oh my gosh, we have so much more to get into. I mean, for someone who said, I don't think I have much to say. This has been we, great. <laughs> we haven't even touched upon the, the, the big thing. So we'll be right back with Meet the Littles. <laughs> Hey, Chuck. Have you heard about Summer of Littles 3.1? Uh, yeah. As previously announced, COVID permitting, the Summer of Littles 3.1 will be held on Saturday, August 7th. Details will follow, but there are already confirmed venues in Denver, Colorado, Laytonsville, Maryland, Frankfurt, Michigan, Cincinnati, Ohio, New York, New York, Orlando, Florida, Weathersfield, Connecticut, and Indianapolis, Indiana. Didn't hear a venue close to you? Consider hosting a venue in your locale. Get more information by emailing your interest to summeroflittles2 at gmail.com. Now that's using the number two. So summer of littles two at gmail.com or you can reach out on Twitter at summer littles two. Same thing, the number two. On Twitter, that's at summer littles two. I wish I hadn't met the littles in person. Said no one ever. <laughs> that's right, Roxy. Say goodbye, Roxy. Goodbye, Roxy. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast. And we are here with Michelle Pendleton today. And we talked about Danielle Williams' perfect game for Northwestern and how I was trying to do some homework, as we try to do when we have a guest coming on. Now, I noticed this thing. I I don't know much about it. Could you go into this hashtag MG book chat? I saw that on your Twitter. Well, what is that? I mean, so yeah, so I have a very eclectic Twitter feed. So it's either Houston weather or Houston disaster preparedness, (laughs) it's littles, or it's middle grade literature. And I didn't even realize that it was its own genre. So I just thought, you know, you had picture books, and then you had young adult. But no, there is actually this section for basically ages eight through 12, 13, and they call it middle grade literature. Oh. And it, it's a lot of the things that you'd actually remember reading. So not uh, not too long ago, maybe two weeks ago, Beverly Cleary died. Yeah. Like, yep. 
Yeah. She is that Ramona, that I sure. used to read Huggins, those all the time. Rizby, Ribsy. Those mm-hmm. are all middle grade books. Well, and you know, my and... favorite thing about that was it brought up conversation about others because I don't know if you saw Judy Bloom's tweet. I mean, yeah. And Roxy, you didn't even really know about Judy Bloom, right? Right. And so, because that's before her time. That's what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Super Fudge what? and the Tales of the Fourth Grade Nothing and all that stuff that was just amazing. And so that, that was kind of cool that it brought up another conversation about another author. But go so, ahead, yeah, you so were saying. That's, that's middle grade literature. If you bridge to Terabithia, mm-hmm. um, all of that. So it is geared toward these kids that are basically kind of second grade into, into middle school. And I kind of just tripped into it. And there is this amazing just family. I'm, that's probably a bigger word than I should use. But teachers, authors, librarians. I just started, I ran into this tweet by a guy named Jared Lerner. He's, you know, in the Northeast. And he writes, he was pitching books. And he and a couple of librarians from Canada <laughs> started this website for middle grade literature. And on Monday nights, they do this MG book chat. And they have different, sometimes it's a teacher, sometimes it's an author, but they come up with questions and they come up with a topic. So like this past Monday, the topic was about about the environment and middle grade novels that deal with the environment. And they come up with about eight questions. What books have you read that in this case, like what books have you read that have dealt with the environment? How would you connect maybe a picture book along with a middle grade novel? How have you ever used a book about the environment to do something in real life? The one that I actually, I think I answered, they said, Earth Day is coming on Thursday. What do you know? Is your school going to do anything for Earth Day? And so I, again, I am a total outlier because I'm not an elementary school teacher. (laughs) I'm not a librarian. I'm not an author. I'm just a mom who tripped into this genre of literature and people are so nice and we... Okay, but first of all, you need to stop with that. I'm just a mom, okay? (laughs) Because you've said that a few times now and we've already referenced to that. You are, yeah, just, I'm a mom. (laughs) Boom. You try it. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, real quick, speaking of librarians, I need to ask, so are you connected with Mary Faye Randolph? You must be, right? No. What? Okay. We need to hook you two up. She's a, she, where is she? Is she from? Oh, forgive me, Mary Faye. Dallas? That's what I thought. I think Dallas. She's a librarian. Yeah. If you, not to push it on you, but she was our guest. I want to say like week five. Something like that. So if you scroll back in the episode, you should take a listen. It's, she's got fantastic accent, first of all, (laughs) and just a sweetheart. You should definitely check that out. Um, Okay. Absolutely. You you two would probably have a lot to talk about now. Oh my gosh. We're never going to get to our normal. This is, sometimes this is great. Sometimes this happens where we don't get to any of our normal stuff, but there are a few things I need to get to, but I have to ask you because I am so cray cray about this. Where do the choose your own adventure books fall? Because those are my passion. I would say middle, I would say middle grade. There's actually a kind of a new, the author's name is Lauren Magaziner and she has a series called Case Closed Mm -hmm. Uh and it's very similar where you're jumping from one place to another place to another place and you think you've found the, solved the mystery, and then it turns out, no, you haven't. And <laughs> right. you have to go backwards. And, wow. Well, so, those, yeah, I would say that you, I mean, I those authors, R.A. Montgomery, I mean, the Choose Your Own Adventure, then there was the Which Way books, then there was the What Do I Do Next books. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a whole branch. It, it triggered a branch off of so many ripoffs of like the same thing. And just as a kid, we had to beg our teachers to somehow, it, it was the really hardest thing for our teachers because she saw the passion we had for them. And, you know, most teachers just like, look, they're reading. That's right, great. Right. But to do like a book report on that book, it was almost impossible. Mm-hmm. So they came up, <laughs> well, but they came up with this thing where like you, if you want to do like five, I think it was like five or 10 different stories, because sometimes mm-hmm. you turn the page after like three pages and you're dead. Right. And that's the end of the story. So that's not obviously, you can't, that's not fair to the other students who are reading like a 150 page book. Right. But they found a way. It was really, I, I really admired the teachers for that because they could see the passion we had for them and how much we loved reading them. And I mean, you know, te- that's the last thing a teacher wants to do is say, no, you can't read those or we don't, you know, you know what I'm saying? You would be surprised. There is definitely a group of teachers who are like, oh, that's just junk. That's, oh, that's just, no. you know, that's junk food for your brain. And I, I mean, I, I used to read with first graders and second graders that were trying to build that skill. Mm-hmm. 
And I would be like, okay, well, we can read this book after we've worked on this book. Right. And which part of that was, yes, they needed to build their skills. But I have really come a 180 on this. It's like, you know, if they find something that they love to read, let them read it. And mm -hmm. if they want to keep reading the same book a hundred times, that's okay. Let them read it. Yeah. Right. There's kind of a pushback right now is on graphic novels. Mm -hmm. Like there is so much to graphic novels. If your child will read that, let them buy let all them... the graphic novels yeah. that they want. Right. Because once you find a love for something, you're going to stick with it. Yeah. And if it's just a chore and awful, then why would you keep doing it? Well, they right. might be more inclined to branch off into other things if they find one thing that they enjoy and then they take a liking to that enough, they then get a recommendation or another, a friend of theirs reads something different. They might be more inclined to try that out and then it just spirals into, they just keep reading. Right. Or if they, you know, they might see a graphic novel that they like that author and they might read some prose from that author. Mm. So yeah. Absolutely. It's such a tricky thing, though, because I guess we'll call it our tiny little suggestion. If you're a fan of Neil Patrick Harris, you know who that is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. His autobiography is in the form of a Choose Your Own Adventure book because that was one of his oh, favorites fun. growing up. Now, it's kind of a pain, I have to be honest, because you want to make sure you read page to page to page to page, but you can't. So I kind of did it twice. I did it as a Choose Your Own Adventure, but then obviously you miss things. So mm -hmm. to read it straight through is kind of weird, but I did it. Just I didn't want to miss anything. <laughs> but I thought That's that was fun. so clever. So clever. Just something different. And, it, you know, I highly recommend it. It's a good read if, if you're a fan of his, which we are. So it's fun because, well, he ha he's actually a middle grade author. He has a series called The Magic right. Misfit. And I he, he reads the audiobook of the first one. And it, I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, right. Patrick Harris right. reading the first one. It's, right. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that's so, fantastic. Yeah, I forgot those. all about that. Yeah, I heard he was writing some books like that. Okay, before we get on this other stuff, we need to know, I mean, cause this is one of the first things I usually ask, how did you get introduced to Tony and, and become a loyal little and all that stuff? So yes, this was in fall of 2003. My husband had finished grad school. We were on our way from Houston to Northern Virginia and got in a really terrible car wreck that shattered my right ankle. So I was in physical therapy for months and months and I was still in physical therapy because I needed to get range of motion mm -hmm. and rebuild the muscles of my right leg right. and all that kind of thing. But I had been allowed to drive again. So I was working part-time, but I was also doing physical therapy. And when I was driving home from physical therapy, pretty much everywhere I've lived, I kind of tune into sports radio just to kind of get a feel for what's going on and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the time I was coming home from physical therapy was Tony's show. And Gosh. I was like, what is this? <laughs> because it was funny. And I mean, like, I'm okay with sports radio, but when you get the person calling and they, they're far into the weeds about the left tackle or yeah. whatever, that's not my thing. And that is not who Tony is. Right. He had smart people on and it wasn't always about sports. Fridays, he would have movie reviews. Sure, and, and Hornaday. And uh -huh. he would... You know, he'd do things like he'd have the recap of the latest episode of 24. Yes. American you know, Idol. Yeah. Like yeah. Having, I remember vividly because he was going through, he was talking about doing the prep for his colonoscopy. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is not the kind of sports show I have ever listened to. I am 100% in. Right. But so that was a good thing. The bad thing was that when I started listening, all the letters were talking about how sad they were that the show was going to end. And what what had happened was the national ESPN show. Right. I don't know if they had finished his contract or whatever they were doing. So I was like, I am listening until the very last minute. And I did. And then, like I said, I was working part time. So when I would be coming back home. It was the evening drive time show and the guys would have Tony on. It was so funny. It was like a five minute thing. He's eating every single time. <laughs> and it's because they were like in between things on PTI. And that's when they announced that he was coming back. I want to say it was WTEM, but he was coming back. I was like, okay. And I've just followed ever since. So whenever he's, he moved to the Washington post radio. So I followed the Washington post radio. And so where he's moved, I've moved. And even when I have moved, so we moved from Northern Virginia after three and a half years to Baton Rouge. I mean, that's the nice thing about when it's either streaming or a podcast, you can just keep following. Mm -hmm. So sure. I followed him from Northern Virginia to Baton Rouge, back to Houston, 
And so I have listened to Tony almost, I guess it's been 17 years. Wow. So, which blows my mind because it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but it yeah. absolutely has. Like, I remember when Michael was in high school singing in the acapella group, <laughs> you know, like, I remember him talking about that and how proud he was of his son and that kind of thing. You know, sure. I, you know, Maggie eating the money. <laughs> the classics, as we call them. So, now. yeah. You know, so I haven't been there as long as some people have, but I listened to him rant about Andy Pulley and the, and the orange juice. Mm-hmm. And the day that he was driving in and saw the naked guy. So, <laughs> so this would be another interesting one that I like to ask, because especially because you've been all over the place now. Favorite team, favorite sport? Well, so growing up in the Denver area, right. and so Broncos all the way. Mm-hmm. I was in elementary school when we went to the Super Bowl the first time with the Orange Crush. And that's why I you know, hate Dallas. And <laughs> Wasn't that the Giants? No, the Giants. Oh, that was after. That's right. You're right. I think it was the seven. No, I did not fact check myself on this before <laughs> that so. we don't fact check Sorry, here little, little, no we don't we don't do that Twitter. here <laughs> but i think it was 1977 right. and i want to say we played dallas and it was yeah it was sad well i know we didn't win i was only like seven at the time right right i mean growing up it was pretty much the broncos and i have learned to love sports especially as people have explained to me what's going on i was talking about how i was asked to be the manager of the girls basketball team and i knew nothing about basketball Mm. i was i figured why does this not end up the same score because one team shoots and gets a basket and the other team shoots and gets a basket and why wouldn't it be a tie at the end (laughs) so but then you learn that oh okay yeah they don't always make it and their strategy and defense and that kind of thing so and that's how i learned to love basketball and i have always just i enjoy almost every sport I'm not a big unboxing. MMA is not my wheelhouse, but I enjoy the Olympics. Like I mm. really enjoy watching the bobsled. Yeah. You know, I don't know anything about bobsled, but if it is on, I am there and I am rooting for it. I'm the same yeah. way. Yeah. We just went into this with a good interview with Jeff Turner a couple episodes ago, and he said the same thing. He's, he's all in. So yep. is Roxy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and as people have explained, if you're really from Chicago, you have to choose the Cubs or the White Sox. But Mm -hmm. I'm not from Chicago, so I just like to go to a game. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Wrigley Field is an experience. So I always have a I have a little bit of a heart for the Cubs. And then the man to whom I'm related by marriage got a job in Houston straight out of college. So that's how we ended up in Houston. And my very first Houston Astros game, it was still in the Astrodome. And I saw mm. Daryl Kyle's no hitter. Wow. And so you can't see a no hitter and then just not embrace the team. So oh, yeah. I have been an Astros fan through the Killer Bees. Then they went to the World Series. So I had to root for them then. So we can talk about the trash cans. Right. Now, but... but you're still a fan today, even though. Well, y- yes, but it's hard because so that group of guys that won the most recent, well, who won the World Series, our mm. only World Series, I completely understand why people will not ever mm-hmm. forgive them i can completely understand that but i watched jose altuve when he was in the worst team in the country and how he stuck with that and he you know i'm short so i root for the short yeah guy. <laughs> um, big dustin you know, pedroia fan are you <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our guy because so, we're red sox fans right so. But yeah, that whole group of guys, completely blanking his name, he just went to the Blue Jays, Springer. Springer, he's yeah, got, George. You know, he has a speech impediment. And oh, what he wow. has done for kids with speech impediments, okay. I mean, I completely get yeah. what they did was wrong. And I also completely remember where our city was. Where I particularly live, about half of my neighbors, their homes were flooded. Mm. Yeah. And so during that World Series, I mean, all these people have been displaced. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out FEMA. And like the one thing that you could celebrate was that team. Yeah. And I can't hate them because I know what they did for the spirit of the city. Mm-hmm. Right. But I also completely understand why other people, you know, right. Other, I mean, they, they deserve all the heckling uh, and the <laughs> in, in, inflated trash cans on the field. They deserve. Yeah. Probably right. all of well, them. I don't know if I go that far because we don't want anyone to get hurt, but yes, I, I well, understand what you're saying. Ones, That's true, but ones. still, can't hurt them right right it hurts their feelings (laughs) all right so my gosh this has been unbelievable and i didn't even tell you about the nats (laughs) okay we were in northern virginia when the nats came back 
And so I got to go to Nationals Field when it opened. You know, that was before we moved. So the Nats are kind they're kind of my National League team now because the Astros are now in the American League. Right, right. And I cannot tell you how much that series killed me. I could not I couldn't watch the last game. I I mean, I was so happy that the Nats won and I knew how much it meant to Mm -hmm. so many people in that area. Yeah. But it was it, oh yeah, it was that, a team that, that at home, you know. Oh sure, absolutely. All right, so we are we're almost out of time, but we have to, Roxy. We have all these fun. We call them fun, dumb questions. But uh, well, I would really love to know what your favorite book is. Oh gosh, the book that affected me the most, and the one that I read the most, and the one that I still have the beat up copy of is Charlotte's Web. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Good answer. Classic. I used to see I. This is, shows me I love the cartoon. I'm not even sure I've read the book. I, I must have. You must at some have. Point, at some point. I think it was a requirement in school. Uh, yeah, it's got one of the me. best first lines. One of the best first yeah. lines ever. Mm. All right. Since you love the Olympics so much, if you could be an Olympic athlete, in what sport would you compete? Ooh, you know, this was so formative. I, I think I would be an ice skater. And I, you know, I can't ice skate now with my mm-hmm. ankle. But I was all in, was that the 88 or the 84 Olympics with uh, Nancy Kerrigan? But I mean, like, 88. I, I was in yeah. high school when that happened. Yeah. Like, I was yeah. all in for all that, you know, yep. and then followed Christy Yamaguchi. Uh, she was my favorite. Oksana Bayul. Mm-hmm. And not, I mean, the whole, I mean, so yeah. Now, have uh, you so seen, think, have you seen Itania, the movie and all that stuff? I have not seen oh, Itania. Oh, you really should. What's so, your name for mom? Uh, Allison Janey. Allison Janey. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. 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 I mean, Tony actually recommends that too. And mm-hmm. uh, the 30 for 30, Tony's in that. Yeah. About the, the whole Tanya he, Harding. Yeah. You know, and he talks about the Lillehammer jacket and yeah. following. I mean, ice skating was such a big deal then. Yeah. And I'm like, what happened to ice skating? Why don't we watch ice skating yeah. anymore? Yeah. Well, anyway, Michelle. Thank you so much for these stories. This has been great because we kind of totally veered off from our normal format, which is fantastic because we love it when that happens. And because we had so many other things to talk about. And But we did want to give you a chance. Is there anything you want to plug? So I'm on Twitter at M Pendleton. So M-P-E-N-D-L-E-T-O-N. So I'm on Twitter there. And that's where I like to hang out with smart, funny people. All right. Amazing. Well, we'll definitely give you a follow there. I'm sure we have. I'm sure the Loyalist podcast is already following mm-hmm. you there. <laughs> and well, thank you again. And as an homage to the show, we'll get you out of here on this. How about we go with Uranus jokes? Not funny or never not funny? Uranus jokes are always funny, and that is the only thing that the rest of my family has picked up on from, from uh, my years listening to Mr. Tony. Oh, I love that. Yes. <laughs> See, something good did come out of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, that, that is the only information for life that my family has taken from uh, me listening to the Tony Kornheiser show is that Uranus jokes are never not funny. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. All right. So all you loyal littles, give Michelle a follow over there on Twitter. And Michelle, thank you again so much for coming on. We really appreciate the time. Oh, no, this was a lot of fun. So it was very nice to chat with you. And like I say, hopefully this is not the show killer for (laughs) the uh, Loyal Littles podcast. I can assure you it's it's not. We're coming up on episode 50 and we're so excited. We have some special things planned. So we will definitely, it will definitely not be that, I'm sure. So... All right, all you loyal littles, we'll be right back. This is Michael Kane. You're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. And thank you again, Michelle, for coming on. Such a fun interview. And like I said, we love when things veer off like that. I did want to update... Uh, after she had her interview, she did give us some websites and hashtags and things like that. So what we will do is in the show notes, we will put in the links to the MG Book Village that hosts the hashtag MG Book Chat. That's on Monday nights. And their website, just in case you want to go and check it out, is mgbooksvillage.org. That's all one word, MG bookvillage.org and again we'll throw that in the show notes as well so anyway roxy what's the first friday five all right oh this is from uh, jeff turner right yes we just had him on the pod a couple weeks ago these are great questions so number one tell us about a time that you were brokenhearted it doesn't have to be romance related it could be an epic loss of by a favorite team the loss of a friend or relative or anything that left you shattered well i have two can I do two? Absolutely. They're quick. My first one is, where's Chuck? What, what happened? Oh, 
I mean, Chuck, Chuck, where are you? I mean, I thought he was going to pop on today to give us a quick little Friday Five update, and he's not here. I, Chuck, where are you? I'm, I'm hard. Sully's going to have something to say about that. Yeah, no, he's going to be like, good, <laughs> good. Well, exactly. Tell him, tell him to stay away. Okay. So anyway, I do. I miss Chuck. I, I mean, do too. I, you know, of course, we love Simon. We love all our co-hosts mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But and, you know, it's been a while, Chuck. Where have you been? But my other one, I would definitely. I mean, I'll do sports related for sure. 2003. Come on, Aaron Bleep and Bruin. I do say to this day, it was one of the best seven game series you'll ever see. Red Sox Spankies, as I like to call them. But I mean, come on. I mean, we thought that was the year and we didn't know 2004 was coming. If if we knew that, it would not have been nearly as heartbreaking. Now, I was a little young for the 86, and I'm sure that's probably high on a lot of Red Sox fans' lists, but I was a little young. Roxy wasn't even born yet, but we won't get into that. And uh, All right, so let's get to number two. Do you want to know a secret? And that's by the Beatles. Do you want to know a secret? uh, I'm not telling any secrets. This is your question. (laughs) Tell us about a secret that you kept and what happened or how you felt when you finally shared it with someone. Okay. So the first thing that pops into my head immediately is when I got my dream job. And what happened was I got the call and I was super excited, but I was on my way to work. So I didn't really have time to call my parents or anything like that. I was going, I was in New York City. I was going back up to Connecticut that night, actually, to spend some time with my parents. And I I had to keep this secret all day from them. I didn't text them. I didn't call them. I was, and when I did call them to let them know I was on my way home, it, I was very like, hurry up, get off the phone. I'm on my way home. Can't talk right now. And then I did tell where's, Chuck. Where's the part when you come up with, Chuck had a great idea. Well, I was getting there. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. I'm sorry. I'm I'm like Rose Nyland in The Golden Girls where I tell this obnoxiously long story that doesn't really make sense. Anyway, bear with me. So I do happen to tell Chuck about it and he immediately was like, oh, you have to do, I have this great idea on how you can tell your parents. When you get home tonight, you need to make tickets to the show. Like make... Like fake tickets. Yeah, like fake tickets and put them in... Like an obnoxiously big box. Right. So it looks like you're giving them a big gift or Wrap something. Wrap it. And, then, and yeah. I sat them on the couch. I gave them this box and I hit record. And they, their reaction was so priceless. They were a little confused at first. They were really cute. Like, what am I looking at here? What is this? Because maybe we should explain. The first time Roxy was a Rockette, she was on the road show. Yes. Because they used to do tours. Mm-hmm. And so she was in Nashville at yep. the Grand Ole Opry, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this was the first year you were going to be at Radio City here in yes. New York and that all your family and friends could actually come see you because it was close enough right. and stuff like that. So it was really exciting. So yeah, it's maybe, I don't know if you want to post that video. Maybe we can at some point. Maybe we'll see. Because it is a great video of them opening this gift. I'm like, what am I looking at? And then you see the the light bulb go off. Well, because on the ticket, I think it said two tickets to see the Radio City Rockets featuring Mm -hmm. me. Roxy. Yeah, basically. (laughs) So it was kind of cool. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Number three. Tell us something that would be nice. It could be something nice that you could do for someone else or maybe something nice that some could do for you or even a total stranger or group of people. All right. Throw this one back at you because I know normally you already have this information. I'm going to say, wouldn't it be nice if Roxy knew if she had a job in the winter? That would be really nice. I mean, we're still, she's still waiting here on pins and needles. Normally, you know by like what, March? For the following year, right? Uh, now, I know it's a little different this year because of COVID. Yeah, I mean, we know when the auditions are happening and all of that. And right now, we know nothing. Right. So that's what I'm going to say. Hello, Radio City. Get on it. Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> Just call your Rockettes back and say, yes, you have a job. So that would be nice. Something. So, Roxy, this is for you, but I have a quick, 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 quick story uh, afterwards. Okay. So it says, we all can't be TK and wearing a cape around Harper College and making the ladies swoon. But tell us about a time where you brought your A game to attract... The apple of your eye. Oh, boy. Well, first of all, I'm terrible at flirting. So that <laughs> let's set the set the bar low here. Okay. I honestly, I would say there was one New Year's Eve that I was with said person and I had a dress that I was going to wear. I was very excited to wear it and I put it on. And honestly, it's not the type of dress I normally would wear. It was tight and short and off the shoulder and just like all all things that I was new to but I was determined to wear it and be proud wearing it and got a ton of compliments on it and but but did it work yeah he loved it 
All right. Enough said. It worked. <laughs> All right. So I, my quick story, though, I mean, I'll never forget. It's so funny that, Jeff, you picked this song because when I was a little kid, I was in La Bella's Pizzeria, which is a local pizzeria in upstate New York. And I'll just never forget. Apparently, this is back in the day when they had jukeboxes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Get off my lawn. And I was like four, five, maybe. And we were all out on a family dinner all around this table. And, you know, I have teenage sisters at this point because I'm the baby of five kids. And all of a sudden, for some reason, that this was the year. I, I didn't Google this. I have no idea what year it is. It had to be like late 70s, I guess, or early 80s, whatever, when this song came out. And everybody, it, by the time we were almost done with dinner, this song came on the jukebox probably, I'm not exaggerating, like eight or nine times. It was like ridiculous. And it was just playing <laughs> over and over and over. People just kept playing the song. Popular. It was very popular. And finally, the last time it came on, I'll, I, I must have rolled my eyes hard and I just said, oh, this song again and I literally stood up on my chair in the middle of the restaurants and I went if you think I'm sexy and I don't know the rest of the words but whatever the words are I mean I just started singing the song and oh my gosh my teenage sisters (laughs) were never more embarrassed I think in their entire lives that's adorable yeah so anyway just that that song (laughs) triggered that memory thank you Jeff all right Roxy let's move on all right last one number five Tell us about an experience that you had that shaped who you are today. It can be a profound awakening, a life-changing event, or just something that changed your outlook on life. Okay, well, this is a really tough one for me because I have so many through all my teachers growing up from different aspects of, because my career has taken me in so many different directions between acting, directing, um, you know, musically, and stage management, everything. So I've had so many mentors that have helped me in my career. But it's funny that you brought this up. There was a posting on Facebook. Uh, I used to play in a community band. It's the oldest community band in New York State. It's called the Ghent Band from Ghent, New York. And there was just a post this morning. I'm one of the members who turned 95 recently. His name's Steve Ghetto. And he was a huge mentor for me. And I posted this story on the Facebook page because everyone was, you know, wishing him a happy birthday. And I'll never forget it. And it's funny that this just came up where... He, I was 17 and he was riding us a little hard in a rehearsal and apparently some of the senior members didn't appreciate it too much. They felt it's a community band. We're not, we we were, were getting paid, but it was very little, you know, it was not really a professional gig. So the next rehearsal, there was a lot of talk about it. And the next rehearsal, he came back and he started the rehearsal by standing up front on the podium. And he said, I'll never apologize for demanding your best, which I know you're capable of. And that's all he said. And I, that stuck with me forever. And I definitely have used that quote in front of other orchestras on Broadway tours and things like that when I was up on the podium and trying to give a note that people felt like I was being a little harsh. And I'm like, but I know you can do it. You have the ability. So let's do it. Yeah. Like I said, I have so many, but that's one that just recently occurred. And happy birthday, Steve, 95. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. That's a great story. So thank you, Jeff Turner, again for the Friday Five. And Roxy, tell everyone how they can get in touch with us. Most importantly, to send in your lookalikes. Yes. All right. You can email us at wtfcpodnet at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod. We're also on Instagram at The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget our Facebook page, The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget to give us a rate and review over on Apple and iTunes. We really appreciate that. And also, once again, thank you, Michelle Pendleton, for being our Meet the Littles guest. And also, Mr. Sean Morrissey, no, that was not Michael Caine, for (laughs) providing the bumpers today. We really appreciate all those that you sent in to us. And everyone, remember, if you're out shopping online tonight... Use the code, people. Use the code. What are you doing? Use the code. (laughs) Uranus jokes are never not funny.
The Loyal Littles Podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles Podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. Oh, yeah.